Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Today's episode is going to be part two, I call it, to last week's episode. This is a second live stream that I did in the new group that I have for the guys who are struggling. In the group, I go live, I give trainings, we do Q&As, I post things that are like strategies and tools for people to get help. And so this was one more live that I did that was a follow-up to the previous episode. So I wanted to air this here and in hopes that this will help somebody who's having a hard time currently. And if you're a wife of somebody who's having a hard time, this can kind of help orient you to some of the things that can be the most meaningful if your husband is struggling to get him back on track. Because I know for a lot of people, it's easy to get stuck in a rut and it can be discouraging for both husband and wife. And so I wanted to share with you three specific things that you can do in order for you to get back on track, renew your commitment and ultimately work towards truly becoming free from this issue by resolving the things that are underlying it and getting the tools that you need to get back on track and stay on track so you can be successful both not only in your individual healing but also in the relationship as well. So we'll go ahead and jump right into this live stream. Hey everybody, welcome to today's live stream. I'm happy to have everybody here today. I had the idea for what I wanted to share with you after working with a client recently. And he struggled because he had a, a series of slips and relapses that he wasn't happy about. And he just had a really hard time getting out of that cycle. And I think this is a really common struggle for so many people that I work with. When they start a program with me or start to do coaching or counseling, they just get overwhelmed, they slip and they slip some more. And so one of the things that I like to do is share with them how you can exit that cycle, get off the hamster wheel, ultimately helping you be successful in reaching your goals. And so this is what I shared with him. I wanted to pass this along to you. And I'm excited to watch him as he puts this into play, makes progress in hopes that uh, I'm sharing this, this with you in hopes that you can do the same thing too. Okay, so how this goes for so many people is they get a temptation, they fight against the temptation, they battle it, they say, I shouldn't do this. It's like the classic good angel on one side, bad angel on the other side. That's kind of how our brain works. A part of us thinks I shouldn't be doing this for this, this, and this reason. My wife's going to be upset with me. I'm going to destroy the trust that, I, that she has in me. I've been making so good, such good progress. I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to lose time that I need to be putting towards work. Whatever the thing is that they tell themselves are reasons not to slip, the other part of the mind will say, yeah, but you can just do a quick little search and it won't be that big of a deal. You won't look at something really hardcore, just kind of this idea of like edging, right? You look at some little picture, just get a little bit of a, uh, a bit of a distraction. And what happens is this back and forth goes on for a period of time, whether it's minutes or hours or days, that so many men, they find that if they don't satisfy the urge, then it just stays in the back of their mind for a long time. And so there's different resources that I have on helping people. How do you navigate that moment? How do you not slip when there are these temptations that come and go? For this purpose, for this particular live, I want to go deeper in what do you do after you, after you slip? How can you get yourself back on track? Because that for so many people is difficult because they excuse themselves and give themselves permission to stay in the cycle because they've already slipped. It's like, well, who cares? I've already dropped the ball. I already broke my streak. If you're counting days, uh, you know, which I don't, I don't, 
I think it's better to count trends. If you're going to count something, I would count the trend, the direction, the overall momentum that you have versus days. But some people count days. It's like, well, I'm already back to zero. I might as well. It's like the screw it mentality. Screw it. I've already done it. And then it's just like they dive into it and they binge. And then the next day it's like, well, I screwed up yesterday. I might as well just keep going. And this is the, the self-deceit that gets us stuck in this hamster wheel. And so I wanted to share with you, how do you respond in these moments in a way that can get you back on track that you can feel good about and actually implement and actually do? So the first thing that I want to encourage you guys with is that after there's multiple slips or even one slip, the getting back on track is legitimately just one decision away. All you're doing when you say, I'm going to get back on track, if, you're, if you think like, oh, I don't know how to get back on track, I just, this has been such a big setback. The key is knowing that getting back on track doesn't mean you have to do this tremendous amount of work. It doesn't mean you have to go weeks without struggling anymore. The key to getting on back is to simply recognize that it's just a decision to get back on track, period. That's it. Because when you realize getting back on track is deciding, okay, I'm back on track, it's so much easier to do that without feeling the pressure of like, well, I've got to do all this stuff to somehow rebound. So when I was sharing this with my client, he said, okay, that makes sense because and he used this analogy of like a freeway, which I thought was great. And I, I wanted to pass that along to you guys. So the freeway analogy is like, you're going to your destination, right? He's going towards freedom. He's living the kind of life that he wants to live. And then he takes a detour, right? There's a trigger or a temptation. And there's something that kind of pulls him off track. So he exits the freeway. And then I think for so many people, the visual is, well, if I exit the freeway and then I just dive into my addiction, I'm so far gone. I'm so far off track. It's going to be so difficult to get back on. The small little tweak that I think might be helpful in this analogy is imagine getting off the freeway and right at the off ramp, you know, I don't know. I, I, this is the true for anywhere you are, wherever there's an off ramp, there's an on ramp right across the street. So imagine getting off on the off ramp and then just doing a bunch of donuts right there. You're spinning in circles and circles and circles the decision to get back on track is like, oh, there's the on-ramp. It's literally 12 feet away from me. Let me just angle my car towards the on-ramp and get on it. It doesn't require, well, I got to go all this way back. I went like way down, you know, into this valley, into this ditch. I got to fight my way out of it. It's simply you get off the track. You're doing donuts. Getting back on the track is right there. It's within your reach by simply making a decision. The next part of this is there's a, a, a neuroscientist who I've really, really been enjoying listening to. His name is Dr. Andrew Huberman. He's a PhD out, uh, he's a professor out of Stanford. And he's been doing some work when it comes to pornography as well. And he says, you know, he's he's got a bunch of content and stuff online, which is great. I would encourage you to check it out. He says, um, strip everything out, strip the morality out of it, strip, you know, beliefs and values. Like if you take all that out, he's like, I'm a scientist. I look at things from a biological lens. And when you look at pornography, it, it, there, there's so many impacts that it has neurologically for us. And again, you can check out some of the stuff online on YouTube. He said that neurologically what happens is pornography is a very fast way to get a release of dopamine. That's all that's happening. It's a release of dopamine at least on like a neurological level. What happens when you release dopamine and you go back to the source of that? He says that dopamine is never 
going to leave you with a feeling of satisfaction. That's why it's never enough. It doesn't matter how many images you consume. You're, if you're stuck in this addiction, you're going to go back for more because the dopamine is the promise of reward. It's what motivates you to take the action to find the reward. It's not the reward itself. And this is significant because this is what leads to, this is what he describes as uh, dopamine depletion. So if you're looking on social media, you can, whether it's pornography, whether it's social media, whether it's video games or television, it's all the same in terms of this dopaminergic, he calls it the dopaminergic pathway. It's all the same to the dopamine system. It's the reward center of the brain. You get some visual cue that releases dopamine. And he said that what happens is when you get looped into this dopamine cycle, you, you get a, a hit of dopamine. The brain will tell you, oh, do more of that because that's what felt good. So you go back to it. And the more you keep going back to it, the more your dopamine depletes. And that really empty, gross, like, uh, like, I guess, how do I describe this? We've all experienced this when you're watching a show and then you're like, I'm going to watch another one. You just feel empty. It's like, I don't really know why I'm doing this. It's just in front of me. So I'm going to keep going with it. It just, that feeling is what he describes as what's called dopamine depletion. So there's nothing wrong with you. Like, that's just what happens when all of the dopamine gets flushed out of our brain into our system. And you have not, and there's not enough time for that to be replenished. So in a very simple way, there's no magic to this. He said, the thing that you have to do when you're in that loop is simply to just stop. Again, it's just, the, it's the simple idea is you have to just stop and interrupt that pattern and allow your brain to start to produce more dopamine. So you have some of those in the reserves, which is what leads to this feeling of balance again. And so recognizing that you're one decision away, you need to just exit that hamster wheel by any means necessary to allow your brain to start to replenish your dopamine system. This is a part of how you can start to get back on the on-ramp. And then the third thing that I want to highlight with you is when you when people struggle with this addiction, there's always a reason why. There's always a trigger. There's always something that's driving this. Sometimes the trigger are these unmet needs that we have. And I'm not even talking sexual needs. Uh, sometimes these unmet needs are feelings that like if we feel lonely, where the unmet need might be connection or the unmet need might be feelings of self-worth or uh, some people struggle because it's, you know, it's just become a habit. And so that's on a different channel too. So there's multiple things that lead to somebody struggling with addiction. And so the key is to recognize what are your core triggers and what are these things that are driving you to go back to this same pattern? Again, whether it's a need that's not being met, whether it's a trigger, whether it's a habit that needs to be rearranged, whether it's coping with negative emotions, the, the most important thing in this process, when I'm working with men, I've got a 12-week program. And when I work with men, the most important thing that we do is I help them identify what are their triggers and negative emotions that they're coping with or patterns and habits need to be restructured, or these limiting beliefs that they have about themselves, whatever it is that's driving the addiction, it's 100% critical to identify and resolve things on that level. Because if you don't, it's just not sustainable. We only have so much willpower. Willpower is a muscle, and that muscle gets tired. And if you're tired and you're continually being tempted because your brain is trying to get 
you out of pain or to escape or distract yourself from something that feels uncomfortable, eventually you're going to give in. And this is why people feel so discouraged is because there's a part of them that says, I know I don't want to be doing this. But then the other part says, I'm really tired and this would feel good. And so if you can identify what is driving you to go to that pathway, that's where you're going to find the freedom. And so the how, the how is you pay attention to during the week, when are you noticing these triggers? What is the trigger? Is it you trying to cope with something? If so, what is that thing? And what's causing that breakdown? It could be a problem in your relationship. It could be you being really critical on yourself and judgmental and shaming yourself for when you make mistakes. It could be a belief of not being good enough. And whenever you make a mistake, you just feel like a failure, which feels awful. And it decreases our self-esteem and our self-worth, which is why then we want to get out of that feeling. So whatever it is for you, the key is to identify what that thing is and then changing your approach or getting a new tool or a new mindset, a new way of being able to approach the old situation from a new place. Because sometimes people say, well, stress is a trigger. <clears throat> Working with this particular client uh, recently, this is the one who inspired this uh, live cast here, this training. He said that as we reflected on what caused this and what was leading to his desire to escape, he said, you know, he's getting ready for the day, does his exercise, he feels great. Then he takes a shower. And when he's in the shower, he's reflecting on, okay, what do I have to do today? He thinks about his work. And when he starts to think about work, he gets overwhelmed. And then he starts to feel this pressure. And then he starts to wonder, I don't know if I have time to do all this stuff. And then he's just like, this is just too overwhelming, right? The thoughts just stew. And then he thinks, you know what? getting out of the shower, and then I'm going to go just search something. And it's just, again, the same old story, right? I'm going to search something. I'm going to check my email. Or I'm just going to look on Instagram. All the while knowing he's walking closer and closer to looking at content that's in, you know, in conflict with his, what his values are. And so part of what we did was help him. There's a process, an exercise that I guided him through that helped to relieve the pressure when he thought about his workday. It's just changing his mindset. So when he saw his workday, his to-do list, instead of feeling pressure and overwhelm, after processing through things with him, we made it so that he started to look forward to what he needed to do today because that for him, if he felt pressure, it was helping him recognize that the anxiety is what he was trying to get away from. It wasn't his to-do list. That was what he was unclear about. So every time in the past, he thought about, I've got so much to do. He thought about, oh man, like this is too much. I can't, this is overwhelming. When really it wasn't the to-do list that was the problem. It was the fear and the anxiety and the pressure he felt while he looked at the to-do list. So part of what we did was help him realign that so that it became clearer that the solution for the pressure he felt in that particular moment, and I know everybody's different, but in this particular exercise, we could customize this you know, process to him. The key was for him to remember and realize like, oh, it's not the work that's causing the pressure. It's the anxiety. It's the fear. It's the overwhelm. It's the procrastination. The solution was to get in, clock in, sit down at his computer and start to work. And when he realized that there was this shift, it's like, I'm looking forward to getting to work. Getting to work is the antidote to the anxiety. It's not pornography. It's not a distraction. That doesn't actually help me feel any better in the long term. It's a diversion. If I really want to solve this issue, all I need to do is plug in. And as I plug into the work, 
then I start to feel great because it's like it insulates me from the anxiety. The anxiety comes from me not taking action on the stuff that I need to take action on. So if I'm in my computer, if I'm in my chair at my computer, I'm doing what I need to be doing. I feel confident then. So by that, doing that little process, he was able to rearrange how he felt, how he saw it, which then, you know, I'm excited to check in to see how this lands for him. But this, like he left the session, number one, back on track. And number two, because I just saw him, this was earlier this morning. So he felt, okay, I'm back on track. Number two, I've got a plan and I don't need my circumstance to be different. I just need to show up differently. And now he has the ability to do that because he sees things differently and he's looking forward to the to-do list. It becomes this North star for how to help him feel confident because he's just plugging in and getting to work. And I know that's going to be different for everybody. And again, so this is, this is just to summarize all this today. The key to bouncing back or rebounding from a relapse is number one, simply recognizing it's just a decision to get back on track. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated. It's just, all right, re-engage in the process, get back on the freeway. Number two, exiting that cycle by allowing my dopamine receptors to regenerate or to replenish themselves allows me to get past this empty, gross uncomfortable feeling it's just neurologically that's all going all that's going on so it's just stopping that and just knowing that can help it make it easier to push through those uncomfortable feelings and then number three really getting clear on exactly what these triggers are that keep pulling you back into the addiction so you can become different or approach the situation differently have a different mindset have a different way of dealing with this so that the outcome is different. You don't need the circumstance to be different. All we want to do is show up differently in the same old circumstance. 